0: Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Bob Nash, who has more than 30 years of executive level experience in the areas of public and private service development, finance, economic development, policy, human resources, and diversity recruitment. Bob has served as a senior economic advisor to Governor Bill Clinton, president of the Arkansas Development Finance Authority, and vice president of the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation. He also served as undersecretary for rural development at the U.S. Department of Agriculture His focus was on housing, business, community development, and energy distribution and production. Bob also served in the Clinton White House as assistant to the president and director of presidential personnel. In these roles, he led efforts to recruit and place political appointees, which resulted in the most diverse government in U.S. history. Bob, thank you so much for taking time to visit with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, Dean. Thank you very much. Bob,
0: are you an Arkansan originally? Were you born in Arkansas? Yes,
1: I was born in Texarkana, Arkansas, on a farm that my great-grandfather bought for about $9.90 an acre, <laughs> a 300-acre 300, 300 farm. And uh, I grew up on that farm. I worked on that farm. I learned hard work. The benefit of applying myself in a positive way. And that's where I grew up. I went to school, segregated schools in Texarkana, Arkansas. I graduated from high school in 1965. And then I went to the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Then it was called AM&N College, undergraduate degree in sociology. And then later on, I went to Howard University, where I got a master's in. Uh, Urban studies—that's a whole another story, which I'll talk about in, in a few minutes. So, uh, what kind of a farm did you have? Basically, we had a few cows, a few hogs, and cotton. Too much cotton. That the cotton is what ran, made me go to college. Very frankly, <laughs> I just I got tired of that cotton farm, and I never got paid anything because I was my I asked my my grandfather and father one day why didn't they pay me? They said, well, we feed, we clothe you, and that's what you get paid. We did have a few (laughs) farm workers that we paid $2 a day to chop cotton and $0.04 a pound to pick cotton, but I never got that money.
0: So that must have uh, been uh, just a huge amount of physical work. So do you feel like that hard work at a young age helped prepare you for your Uh, future? Because you clearly, you've achieved a great deal in your career. Do you feel like that was a key part?
1: It was a a key part. It taught me the importance of hard work, following directions to help produce a crop and to try to help contribute to the livelihood of the family. It absolutely did. But the other thing it did, my, my father finished the probably eighth or ninth grade My grandfather, probably the fifth grade, my mother went to about the 10th grade, and I just knew that that wasn't the kind of life I wanted, so I decided early on that I was going to go to college. My mother wanted me to go to college, but my father and my grandfather did not want me to go to college because he wanted me to stay around and help on the farm, so my mother went out, and that's why I uh, went to college in Pine Bluff in the the mid-60s.
0: So you had mentioned, too, that you
1: studied urban planning later? Yes, in, in Washington, D.C., at Howard University. The story there is I was, um, after I finished undergraduate school, I went back and I worked for the Arkansas Employment Security Division. My job was to go out and find unemployed and underemployed individuals, put them in a training program and find them a job. And it was Okay. Except one day when our supervisor left and I applied for the supervisor's job, they told me I wasn't going to get the job because I just, you cannot supervise these other guys, even though I had the best record of the other three employment councils there. So I decided that I wasn't going to stay there long. And at the same time, I was a volunteer in the community. There's a program which a lot of students, students here won't remember because of their age, called the Model Cities Program. It was one of Lyndon Baines Johnson's early Great Society programs, where they put money and technical assistance into primarily urban communities. And I was a volunteer. And what I learned from some of my mentors, who were moderate community leaders, is that do your homework, do your research. If you're trying to get something changed in the community, that's a better route than going out and raising cane and marching and all that. I, I never really did any marching and sitting-ins and lunch counters in Texas County because if I did that, my father would have gotten fired from his job. My mother would have lost her job as a ironing church and cooking for large white families. And so I didn't do that for that reason. And my moderate mentor said, do your homework. And I did. And I got to know the city manager in Texas, County, his name was Paul Shriver. And Paul seemed to be impressed with the fact that I did my homework when I was trying to advocate something, paving streets in our neighborhoods or putting stop signs where we wanted to have stop signs. And one day he told me about a program where they were training African-Americans to be city managers. This was 1970. There was only one black city manager in the United States of America. So the International City Management Association, National Association of Counties, U.S. Conference of Mayors, Department of Housing and Urban Development put together a internship and a scholarship or fellowship program to help increase the number of African-Americans who were city managers. I won one of the 12 fellowships and, and I chose to go to, there were two schools, University of Michigan at Ann Arbor and Howard University in Washington, D.C. I applied to both schools. I was accepted at both schools, but I decided to go to Howard, and that's how I got to go to Washington to get my master's in urban studies. So, how long did you stay in Washington D.C.? Well, I was there for the, the program was two years, forty eight hours to the master's thesis, and so after that two years, oh incidentally, they paid me like five thousand dollars a year, and then. I also had this internship. My first internship was in the city of Washington, DC, where I was an assistant to the deputy mayor. My second internship during the second year was in Fairfax City, Virginia, where I worked for the city manager. And, and, And then after I graduated, I stayed in Washington to work for a national nonprofit called the National Training and Development Service. And I did that because I met someone, a city manager who was running that organization, and he asked me to come and be his administrative assistant, and I did. So I stayed there for about another year and a half before moving back to Arkansas. My father got sick, my grandfather had died, and I wanted to get back home.
0: And so when you came back to Arkansas, what did you do?
1: Well, in Texarkana, I met a guy named Tom McRae. Tom McRae was the head of the Model Cities program in, in Texarkana. By the time I got ready to Want to come back home. He was the chief of staff to Governor Dale Bumpers. So I called him and I kept up with him over the years. This is one of the things I want to say to students. One of the things that you should do in your, in your route of life is to always keep up with people that you meet who have been helpful to you, that you think can offer of some value to you, or who care about young people. So I kept up with him. So I called Tom McRae and said, Tom, I would like to come back to Arkansas. My father's sick. I've got my master's degree. And do you have any jobs there? He said, well, I might have. The Arkansas Department of Planning has a vacancy there. So I'll introduce you to this guy named Charlie Crow. And I'll set up an appointment. If he likes you and wants you, fine. If he doesn't, I'll just have to keep looking. So he introduced me. I flew down and met Charlie Crow. He liked me and hired me. I was director of state and local planning, basically working with cities and counties, primarily the local folks, on things like water, sewer, housing, and small business.
0: Your point about keeping in contact with people and and meeting people is so important. And, And I think you're right. You know, sometimes uh, students don't realize how critical it really is because many years later, you may want to move somewhere or get a job with a company. And the more of a network you have and the closer the network, the higher the probability you'll be able to have someone that
1: can help you. I'm a big advocate of that. Today, I have about 9,000 people in my database. And these are all people that I have known or work with, or had some relationship with. And again, you take the Tom McRae example, he hired me, he recommended me to Charlie Crow, and Charlie Crow hired me because he liked me, and, and, and Tom's recommendation carried some weight. But if you think about it, if, you, if you're a graduate student, MBA student, and you go and you're gonna run a company, you're gonna look for people who you know, or you've had some relationship with first, not that that's the only somebody you will hire, but that's why it's so important for you to keep up, and I would advise all these students, to keep up with people that you meet along the way. Boy, it's
0: so true. And in addition, as you're helping people in your network, when they need help, it, it really uh, creates a, a virtuous cycle with those relationships. It does. So after you came back, you... Um, you were working with the Arkansas Department of Planning, but then yes. um, you eventually became uh, vice president of the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation, I believe. Is that correct? Yes,
1: it is correct. And here's, here you go again with these contacts. Tom McRae, who was governor of chief of staff, I think at that time they called him the executive secretary, but it was the chief of staff. He went to be president of the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation here. Now, I was still at the Arkansas Department of Planning. The administration changed. Now, he was at a level where he had to leave. But I was told that I could stay at the Department of Planning, even though the administration changed from Bumpers to Pryor. Now, the reason I was able to stay is because the new director of planning that they hired is someone I also knew in Texarkana, Arkansas. His name was Ron Copeland. And he was a deputy director of the Model his program. And, and I was at a level where they could have fired me because I was viewed, I forget the exact technical term back then, but it means political appointee. You didn't have the protection of civil service. He said, you can stay. Well, you know, I was happy about that because I needed a job. Well, Tom McRae called me and said, Bob, I've been named president of the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation, and I'm looking for someone to be my vice president. I know you, I know you can do this job. Do you want to come over here? Well, you know, I said, yes. And that's how I got from the Department of Planning to the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation. And I was there for seven years doing community development, cooperative development, agriculture development, uh, those kinds of programs. And I enjoyed it. And that
0: really built on your education, but also your experience with the Arkansas Department of Planning. And then you eventually went to work for Governor Bill Clinton's administration.
1: Is that right? Yes, I did. And it's interesting. The Rockefeller Foundation was involved in some pretty creative and innovative programs. And Governor Clinton was always reading about new programs. And he called me one day and said, I want you to come work for me to be my economic advisor. And my comment was, well, I'm happy where I am and I appreciate that. I said something like, I know it's not gonna pay as much as I'm making here now. I mean, At the foundation, I worked about 40 hours a week and I made at that time, I guess it was about $38,000, $39,000 a year. Going to the governor's office, I knew the position would pay about $5,000 less And rather than working 40 hours a week, I'd be working 80 hours a week. To make a long story short, (laughs) I went to see him, and you don't say no to him. So I decided to leave the Rockefeller Foundation to go to work for Bill Clinton to be his economic advisor. Now, one of the things that I had a concern about was I did not want to be pigeonholed into being the minority economic advisor. I wanted to be involved in economic development statewide for everybody. He said, that's what I want. I want you to do it for everybody. He said, and I have some theories about economic development. And let me tell you, he said, what do you think about economic development, what should happen? I said, well, uh, it's changing. It used to be that in the South, you'd say, we're in the South. We have cheap energy, cheap land, cheap water, cheap labor. And to try to convince those low wage, low skilled industries to come to Arkansas and locate. I said, that's a flawed strategy and it cannot help us grow and develop in the future. We've got to spend more time on higher technology industry and business. We've got to be more targeted. we got to have a workforce that we say has strong work ethic and is trainable. And we have to focus more on smaller business. One of the things that, that I know is that most people in Arkansas, if you say are more businesses, are more jobs created from large businesses or small to medium-sized businesses? They would say large businesses. And the reason they would say that is because if a large business locates in Arkansas with 250 jobs, it makes the front page of the newspaper. But the small business that adds five here, seven here, nine there, 10 there, 11 there, they don't get that kind of attention. But those businesses have the potential to one day be gigantic and and impactful, just like Walmart. Walmart started off as a very small business. Now, not everybody can be a Walmart, but we thank God in Arkansas, we have Walmart. (laughs) And they, they grew to the largest business in many ways in the country and the world. So we had that conversation and I went to work for him. And I stayed there throughout his governorship. And we were very successful. And we changed the strategy for economic development in Arkansas. Well,
0: I'm glad you did. You know, it is funny because so many politicians want to create incentives for the big companies to move. And you're right. The statistics show very clearly that it's young, early stage companies that create most of the growth in employment and wealth.
1: And it doesn't mean that you exclude spending some time on large businesses. It just means that you don't spend 100 percent of your time and resources on Fortune 500 type businesses.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Which part of the
0: organization were you working for during that time?
1: Well, I was actually in the governor's office. My office was one door down from the governor, so my responsibility, in addition to policy development, was to oversee the economic development agencies in the state. That included the Arkansas Industrial Development Commission, the Arkansas Employment Security Division, the Arkansas Labor Department. So I overs- oversaw those sort of a dotted line responsibility to them. Now. The Arkansas Development Finance Authority was not in existence when I went to work for the governor. That's one of the things that I took responsibility for to help create the Arkansas Development Finance Authority. Now, we did have an Arkansas Housing Development Authority already in place. So we modified the Housing Authority to be a broader financing vehicle. So instead of just financing housing and apartments, we started financing manufacturing plants, water, sewer, state buildings, and other public facilities.
0: And I know eventually, you know, when President Clinton appointed you to serve as undersecretary in the U.S. Department of Agriculture. But before we talk about that, I'm curious, uh, what was it like to work with President Clinton?
1: Well, it was a learning experience every day. He would inspire you to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week and enjoy it. He always had an idea, and maybe five of them were worth pursuing, the others were not. And you had to figure out which ones to work on. But I was always impressed with his ability. One, one day I was uh, there to make a presentation about a new idea for financing state buildings in Arkansas. As I was talking to him, he was reading and writing and signing letters. So I thought he had tuned me out. After I finished this presentation of about 15 minutes, he stopped and he said, that's pretty good. But let me tell you, there are two other points that you missed. And here's here's two programs you ought to add to that. And I was amazed by the fact that he was <laughs> reading letters, signing letters, listening to me, heard me, and made some very good suggestions to me. That's a, a, an example of the kind of person he is. He also was the kind of person who viewed you as not just a number, but a person who had value to add if you had the capability and commitment to do it. And he was always like that. And and plus, he was personable. I mean, I remember my mother was sick and was going to have surgery. He called her in the hospital to wish her well. Now, I didn't know that he knew, I didn't say anything to him, somebody did that she was sick and she was in the hospital. He called her. And I'm convinced that because of that call, She lived. She had pancreatic cancer. I'm convinced she lived a year and a half longer because of that call. That's another example. Here's another example. We were driving to Pine Bluff one day to a meeting of the Arkansas Bankers Association, and uh, I was with him, and a state trooper was with him, who was the driver. And and we along the way, a farm was over on the side of the road, and he said, "Mark, that was the, the state trooper. Stop. I want to talk to those farmers." I said. Governor, we don't have time to stop. We're going to be late for the bankers meeting. He said, do you know what I'm going to say to those bankers? I said, yeah. He said, do you know what they're going to say to me? I said, oh, yeah, their lobbyists have already been up. He said, what are those farmers thinking over there? I said, I don't know. He said, that's why we're stopping. And I got it. And we stopped over there for about 20 minutes and learned more from those farmers than we would have being on time for the bankers meeting. That's just the way he was.
0: Well, you know, it seems like there's so many really successful politicians and business people who use that method of, you know, really just stopping and talking to people. I mean, of course, Sam Walton was great at this. You know, uh, he was really known for managing by walking around and J.B. Hunt did that
1: as well. Yes. And I would advise students to. Don't ever put yourself up where you think you know everything, and somebody who has doesn't have a, a bachelor's degree couldn't teach you something. You couldn't learn something from them. That's one of the things that I learned from him, and I have practiced that throughout my career.
0: Well, that's so true.
1: You learn more when
0: you're humble because you're listening to to others and and trying to understand what they know.
1: Yes, my mother told me once that you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen more than you talk. And I've, even though I'm talking a lot now, <laughs> I've tried to use that o- over the years. And I've always had a lot of respect for the people who work for me. When I was at uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 12,000 people who worked for me all over the country. And I had an $8 billion a year budget for Rural telephone, rural electric, rural housing, rural apartments, rural business. But I made it my point to listen to career people, people who had been there. And I had some people, some other political appointees who said to me, you know, Bob, you shouldn't listen to those career people because they worked very hard for the last president who was a Republican. And I said, well, they were supposed to do that because that's what they're going to do for us. Career appointees are there to carry out the policies developed by the president and his or her political appointees. I made that point and it got me a lot of credit with career employees because they knew I respected their commitment to professionalism. Wow, that's impressive. So,
0: Bob, what advice do you have for undergraduate and MBA students that are getting out in this new environment? So, So based on what you've observed in your life and and the changes you see coming up, uh, what, what do they need to be thinking about?
1: First of all, they need to realize that the private sector is changing and will continue to change, in my opinion, for a lot of reasons. One is because there's a lot of energy out in the community on the part of consumers and a lot of change demographically. And business people are very smart. They're not just emotional. They operate off of data and facts and information. And the fact is, in order to be successful in private business today, you've got to have a broader, more diverse view of how you serve the public and how you employ people who work for you. And I would say that those students that recognize that that change is occurring will be more successful than those who don't know anything about that. And I am convinced that that approach is going to continue to happen and change. And so understand the issue of of diversity, inclusion, capability, and competence, and understand that corporations now understand they can do well making money, but also do good by being very responsive to the changing dynamics in the community and the changing demographics, because it will help you do well and good.